Welcome to the Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We are proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title from debut author Lorelai Parker, Crushing It. Gaming executive Sierra Reed is terrified of public speaking, a skill that's never been super relevant to her job until she's forced to make a big presentation at a European gaming conference. To help boost her confidence, she participates in a diary slam at her local bar, reading to the whole room about her mad crush on college dreamboat Tristan Spencer. And then she hears the words, up next, Tristan Spencer. From there, the mortified Sierra is propelled into a bold and twisting journey of love. Fresh and on trend, this exciting new romantic comedy combines humor, second chances, and a good old-fashioned love triangle in a thoroughly relatable tale about a woman blossoming into her own and learning the key to love can only be found by first loving oneself. You can find Crushing It by Lorelai Parker wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. Welcome back, everybody. I feel like I'm still thinking about last week's episode, if we want to do a quick recap. Yeah, we got a lot of good background, which we'll get some more background to in these upcoming chapters. There is so much to cover in chapters five and six of this book that we're actually just going to dive right into discussing what happens. I'm here for it. Chapter five is a Rico episode, which I'm really excited about because I liked Rico the first time we met him a couple of chapters ago. I still really like him. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more we learn about him and his background because like, obviously, the first time we met him, he was like surrounded by craziness at this bachelor party. So there's only so much we can get to know about him. But now he's actually back in London, which he was kind of debating like, do I go to California? Do I just, uh, you know, because he's in Nevada, he was just gonna do the short plane ride over. But he chose not to go to California. He's back in London. He's still dealing with like this injury because it's like, Even though it's been like a year of surgeries, like he's still dealing with it, which sounds awful. And even though he had been very close with his parents, there's so much death in this book. But sadly, his parents died in a car crash when he was 15 and he was living in, he grew up in Brazil. And obviously like his life completely changed after that moment. And he even has like this complicated family situation too, because like his dad was like the soccer player for Man U, Manchester United, which is like the team he plays for. The thing is though, the dad's family never really acknowledged the relationship because the dad never got a divorce. (gasps) It's just a whole tricky situation and like the mom just kind of went along with it. If she didn't like the situation, she didn't show it. It's sad. I just, you know, it sucks because he lost his parents when he was so young. And so not only was that a huge change, but his only living relative that would acknowledge him is his mother's sister who lived in California. So he had to move there uh, and start a brand new life in the United States with his aunt without his parents, just like a completely new slate. I love these sentences on page 61. His ability to care about anything at all had also vanished. That's how it had stayed until he'd stopped a ball from hitting a girl on the head. Then everything had changed again. 
I get the sense that he was in a huge fog after his parents died until he discovered soccer. And then again, when he found Ashna. Yeah, which like he doesn't obviously state it's Ashna, but like we know that's who he's talking about. And we also get some of like this resentment still that he holds toward her and the family because the reason that they broke up or the reason he was dumped is that Ashna's family thought he was worthless, basically. You you know, you're hoping to meet the significant other's family and hope they approve. And he came in and like it was just like a complete shutdown. And we still don't know like Ashna's side of that story either. But it seems like from his perspective, he's like, her family called me worthless and she didn't stand up for me. I mean, that's what happened in like the real persuasion is Anne Elliot falls in love with this little guy, Frederick Wentworth, who's like, I'm going to join the Navy. I don't think that's what his voice <laughs> sounded like, but he was like, I'm going to join the Navy, which was definitely like for most people, it's not a really glamorous career path. I mean, you're out at sea with a bunch of other sweaty men for months at a time. And it's dangerous because you go into battle. But he comes back victorious, uh, a handsome, successful, well-moneyed captain. And I feel like that's kind of what... What we're getting in this chapter because I really like Rico not only does he seem like a good guy I feel bad that Ashina dumped him or you know we'll get that backstory later but he also looks out for his team because he's you know back from the bachelor party and it sounds like what he's been doing while his leg has been healing is keeping an eye out for scandals and like I feel like this is what publicists are for but he's very hands-on yeah. when it comes to diverting the media's attention away from all the bad behavior that happened at the bachelor party it seems like he's been like the consistent player to like be that mentor to all of like the younger players so he's got a lot of responsibility and like responsibility that he's taken on too like he could easily not care about (laughs) what the other players careers will amount to but he's obviously like still very much so involved so he's like browsing the news he sees the fact that yash is seems to be doing well like he's his uh, campaign is starting to like really take off inspiring people but like the name Rajay obviously reminds him of his youth because he was connected to someone of that family strikes a chord yes he's already kind of gotten pulled back into that time of his life because of thinking about love and marriage and the future and he's like remembering the first real love that he had that destroyed him and in thinking about Ashna now coming across like the news about Yash it seems almost like what are all these signs how is all this lining up for me at the same time and I like something that um Sonali does in the book is like sometimes she'll have like certain lines um italicized of like lines that other characters have said but in this case it's like for Rico it's like lines that Ashna has said that keep repeating in his mind the line that keeps coming back to him about Ashna is don't you see when you look at it from my father's point of view you have no future And that's something that keeps coming up in his brain years later. Like he can't let go of it because I mean, that's such a harsh thing to say. Again, we're like getting insight into his perspective of like where everything went wrong. He's like 30, 31 years old. So he's successful. He's a man now. In addition to sort of being reminded of Ashna because of seeing her cousin in the news, he's also thinking about how like 
pretty much all of his ex-girlfriends are now happily engaged or married to other men and how he just kind of couldn't keep a relationship going. I want to say since Ashna, but he technically couldn't keep that one going as well. All of this has sort of led to the conclusion that he hasn't actually ever Googled her. And we learned something very interesting that we talked about at the beginning of the last episode for chapter four. We talked about how, you know, so many people aren't really, even in the Rajay family, aren't supportive of Ashna keeping curried dreams alive because it's an obsession. Because it's not like she loves being a chef. It's not like she loves owning a restaurant. She loves keeping her father's legacy alive. And so when he Googles her, he finds out that she is a chef at Curry Dreams and she's going to be on this Food Network show. And then it says at the top of 64 that he's really surprised to learn this because he had certainly not seen that coming. She'd wanted nothing to do with cooking. It also said getting her to take a picture for the yearbook with the girls' soccer team had been hard enough. She was going to be on TV? Really? He's really surprised because she never showed any interest in being a chef and also had never showed any interest in getting any kind of attention. So it's like a very different person than what he knows. I think he's someone, he's one of the few people who knows Ashna really well and really knows like maybe some of the stuff like she was hoping to do with her life. And obviously a lot of that changed, which like in all his Google searching, he doesn't know what happened, that her father is dead. And so there's some stuff that he doesn't know that he's not going to get information from a Google search. But uh, he's certainly gone down a spiral of trying to figure out all the information he can about her and seeing, yeah, the Entertainment Week post about her being on the show but since of course Rico is this successful soccer star he has a manager who he can get on the phone or he has an agent he can get on the phone and demand he look into something for him so uh, without really thinking about it he calls up his agent Rod and is like you know that show Cooking with the Stars and Rod's like what show and he's like exactly I want to be on it (laughs) first of all I just love that his sport agent's name is Rod. It's yeah. perfect. That is a perfect name for a sports agent. But I think something that's also worth mentioning after Googling all of this, seeing what Ashna is up to, he's really, really angry. Yeah. Um, and it even says that, like, he never let himself get angry. And so he's going into this, like, very impulsively. And he's yeah. just like, He tries not to be angry. He doesn't seem like an angry person, but this is, she's just sort of a trigger for him. Like the end of their relationship is just like, you know, triggering for a lot of rage. And so I'm wondering if he feels like he knew the real Ashna and this is just like the fake grown up version of like who she ended up becoming. Or maybe he's upset, like, did I not really know her that well? And maybe that's why things ended. Because I think that's what this is about for him. It's about getting closure. And so he goes into this, like, this is my only shot to show her and her family that I've made something of myself. Yeah, which, like, any normal person would just, like, call or message or you know reach out that way of being like hey I need to talk to you because I've been holding on to years of resentment and I need to sort through it but no he calls his agent to get on a show so that they can be paired together for weeks and have to be forced to talk to each other I think that's a thing too maybe he's like I'm not gonna reach out to her because like there's no way she's gonna talk to me so he has to kind of force them into like a room together 
together on a reality show together uh, in order to talk through it. I don't trust that his thought has even gotten that far. I think he's just like, I'm gonna show her. I'm gonna I'm show successful. all of them that I made it. That I, like you know, in case they don't follow soccer and they have no idea that he's basically like the Cristiano Ronaldo. She's just like, I'm gonna show up and she's gonna see that I made something of myself. Here's what his agent says. I'm guessing it's more for failed boy band stars, retired soap opera actors, struggling comedians, authors who are looking for sales, that sort of thing. Too far beneath your pay grade. And he's like, I don't care about getting paid. I will donate all the money. Any money I win, I will donate to the animal rescue your daughter loves. Get me on the show. And I need to be partner with a particular chef. I feel like it's been some time since I've seen like the hero in a romance flex this hard. I mean, in a way, he, he could pull his weight around like that. Which, you know, like the producers of that show, once they hear his name, they're like, any adjustments are they're going to accommodate, you know, they're going to make room. If they had booked someone, some comedian, they're like, you're out. Rico <laughs> Silva is in. Sorry, not sorry. I feel like this is a good time to jump right into chapter six. We've had our Rico chapters and our Ashna chapters. This is our very first Rico and Ashna chapter. Yeah, which is still from Ashna's perspective, but the day has finally come. They're going to start filming the show. She wears her favorite pair of earrings, which are rubies that her grandmother gave her. And they were the same earrings that she was wearing on the day that she met her husband. Coincidence? Like, probably not. Today, like, is supposed to be just, like, some tester shot. It's like, meet the chef, meet the celebrity, they meet each other. So there's not going to be any, like, real cooking going on. She can look like slightly more glamorous chef version of what she usually looks like. We get kind of get a little more of her description. She has this really long, beautiful hair that like everyone always admires. It's actually something that she's always wanted to cut off because she's just like, everyone kind of defines me by this. And like to her, it feels like that's the only thing people love about her. So she's just like, I want to cut it all off. You know, hopefully she'll work her way up to doing that because it seems like something she wants to be free of. I like all the like the little details of like the different parts of her and what she's like kind of insecure about and what she's still kind of working through too. So Nisha and Trisha are both there to support her on her first day. They take her to set. It's very, very exciting. There is one small note that's important to know moving forward. Ashna is never, ever planning to get married. So Trisha and Nisha are escorting her to set and she's like, you know, you're acting like it's my wedding day. It's just the first day of filming. Regardless of what happens in any kind of relationship or anything that might happen, Ashna is like not planning to ever marry. Like it doesn't say in this description that it's because she's devoting herself to Curried Dreams, although I'm sure it's part of it. It's because she feels like she has a genetic predisposition for failure. Which like we know, obviously like Rico has had relationships after Ashna, but we don't know if Ashna's had any relationships after Rico, which like given a lot of like the even like the traumatic events uh, in her life, taking all the, all the restaurant, it's like I don't think she's had the time or like the emotional wherewithal to even think about that sort of thing. So it's possible that like Rico was like her her last 
major relationship too. Since that failed, she's like, I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) No, and that makes sense because, you know, you only want to try at something if you think you're going to be successful at it. And if she's just like, I, my parents didn't work. I had it once. I mean, she she hasn't thought this. We're we're sort of like inventing this. But, you know, I can see the thought of like, I had this once and I messed it up. I'll probably just never have that again. I'm doomed to fail. So until maybe. (laughs) Until. So, so we're walking in, we're being escorted. China is the only person who knows mystery celebrity is and she is being very tight-lipped because she'll quote-unquote lose her job and so they're speculating one and and I'm sure Yolanda you've noticed this note that I put in our outline where they're like maybe it's a Jonas brother and I'm I'm wondering if you would like to offer any commentary on this (laughs) (laughs) I have been a fan of the Jonas brothers but I would consider you a scholar Thank you. Yes, no, you really, I believe it. Um, For those of you at home, Yolanda (laughs) and I participated in a PowerPoint party a couple of months ago where the only instruction is just like make a PowerPoint presentation about, you know, something you're passionate about, something you believe in. And Yolanda delivered a very powerful presentation on, it was like why Nick is the worst Jonas brother, right? Reasons why Kevin Jonas is the best Jonas brother, subheadline, and why Nick Jonas is the worst. And it was a five minute presentation. I am ready at any moment to give that presentation again. (laughs) So if anyone ever wants to hear it, I have the PowerPoint ready to go. But yes. Um, We'll Zoom you at any time and deliver (laughs) it like you'll get paid to speak at events. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I'm not going to actually do that, but it'd be funny if I did like an Instagram live. I don't even want to do that. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, something they're speculating is like, ooh, what if one of the celebrities is a Jonas brother? Um, I know. And if I'm being honest, like if it were, it would probably be Kevin if he was on (laughs) the show. (laughs) Um, I will say once they mentioned Jonas Brothers. I noted that it was 21 lines that Sonali decided to dedicate to mentioning the Jonas Brothers, which I was very uh, grateful for. I do think there could have been more lines, but you know, (laughs) we still have more of the book to go. And also the fact that really the only one she named was Nick. I was a little upset about that. She says like, maybe it's one of the Jonas Brothers. Maybe it's uh, Nick. And they're like, no, he's married to Priyanka. Like he's way too famous. It is (laughs) accurate commentary if i may be so bold yeah and then she also says the other one the one with the great hair and i just like wrote in here like joe it's him (laughs) (laughs) it's funny i would also the funny thing is i feel like they all kind of have the same hair nick i think is a bit curlier so even though i feel like a lot of readers would read this and go oh my gosh it's joe he's the other dreamy one I feel like you, a Jonas Brothers scholar and intellectual, knows in your heart that if this were a real show, Kevin would be our man. He would be the one on set. (laughs) Yes. And honestly, when you mentioned the hair, that honestly sparked like a new presentation in me of like the history of the Jonas Brothers hair and like what their hair texture is and like who has the best hair at their different stages. So thank you for that. I can definitely (laughs) get started on that soon. And not only that, but think about it, because they first became really big in like 2006, 2007, which if you recall, stick straight was the look, the tool in every boy and girl's bathroom was an extremely hot straightener so that you could get up every morning and make your hair stick straight. 
And Nick never straightened his hair for yeah. the band. Like he was he a kept little, a bushy like, mushroom. Yeah, which that's why people were like, "Oh, his curly hair!" But now, like that, they've all stopped straightening their hair. We can see, like, they, yeah, they all have curly hair again. We don't need to go on this. <laughs> we don't. We don't need to go into that because uh, we're on a different track. But I guess yes. um... so. Going beyond that, <laughs> just like that. So they're still speculating who it could be. Obviously, there's no way that they're gonna tell Ashna. Trisha is also with them, so she's like trying to get it out of her. Ashna's kind of having regrets. She's like, I think now, like that, the lights are on and all the cameras are on her. She's starting suddenly realizing like what she just got herself into, and she hasn't even met the celebrity yet. But and she's got a very sharp knife in her hand as she's I- doing this. And the knife really is the key to what's about to happen because the whole setup is her innocently chopping her bitter melon and then in walks Rico Silva. And I I really love this line on page 77. She looks up and sees him for the first time and it says, time did a backflip. For the longest breath, the world around Ashna disappeared. Then it slammed back into her chest and all the oxygen left the room. And there's a lot of other descriptions about how she's just like, in shock. She can't believe he's here. He looks different, but it's the same boy that she remembers. And then she drops her knife. (laughs) Yeah, everything is in slow motion in this because she drops the knife. Rico like lunges forward because the knife is literally about to like chop Ashna's toes off basically is what it sounds like. She wore open-toed shoes. Yeah, I know. In a kitchen. While you're filming. On a film set. Like, like, forget the kitchen, but like film set. Like, I would, I mean, me personally, I'm just not a big sandal wearer, so I'm always a fan of closed-toed shoes, but always on a film set and always when you're in a professional kitchen. That's like one of the number one roles on a film set or any set. It's like, wear closed-toed shoes. Things are falling, you never know, and so you don't want to get hurt. Like you were saying, injured Rico, who's been on crutches in a cast, grabs the knife before it cuts off her toes. And so he like lands on his knees, which is like a really big deal for his injury. Because it sounds like his cast is off, but he's got staples in his leg. So he's kneeled down, and then he looks up at her, and it's just like, oh my goodness, like even this line, it's like... Ashna fell to her knees in front of him, almost grabbed his face the way she had done the first time she kissed him. Like, all those feelings just came up right in that moment because it was like as if no time had passed at all, even though it's been years since they've even talked to each other, you know? Truly, like, the first time she's seeing her first love, like, in front of her, and he just saved her. And she's just like, I can't believe you're here. I can't believe what you just did. I can't, like, and she's still feeling everything as if, like, they just saw each other yesterday. Which now, Rico is in intense pain. Basically, his knee starts swelling. He's obviously still delicate in his injury, landing on it not good. Thankfully, Trisha is there. She's a doctor. They like cut off like that part of his pants to try to see and they're just, they're all just like admiring how beautiful his legs are, which yep. is kind of funny. And I feel like another thing that we learn about Rico here is Trisha is just like, that was amazing. Like you saved her toes. And he goes, pleasure? He <laughs> said that in a way he'd always had uh, of turning everything into a question. And then the next line is, I love you? 
question mark <laughs> this is one of those uh now ashna's remembering something from the past of of what rico said and you know saying i love you as a question maybe stuck with her all these years too <laughs> well it's just kind of funny because i'm like seeing this whole thing play out now where you know he he heroically saves her he like lunged forward and stopped a knife from falling on her toes and she's like oh my god why did i ever stop loving him why did i ever let him go and then when he says pleasure she's just like oh i remember <laughs> how he made important words into questions and we're back to what's happening here yeah and even like she's just trying to wrap her brain around like what's going on why is he here she says sorry and he says no apology necessary not for this and you're like what is happening between these two people you do know you're being filmed this is going to be on tv that is a uh quite a jab right there of like you don't need to apologize not a about this oh my god so he is literally everyone on set is rushing him to the hospital which luckily they are in palo alto so the stanford hospital is like one minute away so he's getting rushed off and and ashna's just like still in shock from all of this and someone comes up to her and just is like oh man he never got a chance to introduce himself that was frederico silver the legendary striker for manchester united everyone runs away like that was a great explanation position character like i will post it on our wordpress page but there is a very hilarious stand-up comedian from new zealand her name is rose montefio and she does a really funny bit about how because she's dressed in kind of like a uh it almost kind of looks like a retro secretary uniform and so she's like i'm sort of dressed as a uh an exposition character in a movie who says something like like in a romantic comedy where she's like, well, look at there, it's so-and-so, like heir to the biggest shipping company in like the entire Northern Hemisphere, says you'll only settle down for the right woman. Well, good luck to her, whoever she is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a very funny bit about, you know, the types of people you see in movies. And uh, this kind of reminds me of that, someone who's just like, oh man, he never got to introduce himself. That was Federico Silva, the legendary striker for Manchester United. And Ashna says, uh, mostly to herself, as she sinks to the floor, I know, she whispered into the suddenly empty kitchen. Which, side note, definitely watch that stand-up set. It's like, the entire thing is really funny. It's really great. But my goodness, yes. Like, so she was thrown, Ashna was thrown into like, this whole filming situation and like, this whirlwind of a moment between someone she hasn't seen and who she loved for years and and now suddenly everyone's gone. It seems like she's alone um, in her restaurant now because um, obviously one of your stars on Cooking with the Stars is injured so they have to tend to him. They don't care about Ashna. <laughs> um, no one's like, are you okay? He's bringing in the money so they got to take care of the money. <laughs> of course. Well, and it's funny because like I've, I've seen Chopped a time and again and- you know, sometimes people will cut themselves. And so a, a common way to fix it, you, like you don't stop, you just keep going and you roll like latex over your finger and hope that it stops bleeding. And not in this case, this is like a serious injury where like his stitches almost split open and he's got internal bleeding in Ugh. his knee and they have to drain it. That is what Dr. Trisha diagnosed on the scene after they cut his pants open. But Rico went into this knowing exactly what 
he could expect. He he knew, I mean, I'm sure in like the depths of his like most egotistical, most hurt soul, he thought I would love to throw her off her game because she threw me off my game, you know, like she completely disoriented everything that I was. And so I hope that my presence and my success uh, throws her a curveball as well. I mean, it kind of did, but then it ended up hurting him. Which, Literally. Uh, <laughs> Which is uh, maybe a little reflective of what the history of their relationship has been. <laughs> so that's where the chapter ends. And I'm I'm really excited to see what happens next because we've been getting to know Ashna on her own. We've been getting to know Rico on her his own. And now the two have finally met for the first time in over 10 years. We have a lot of unpacking to do after this, you know, because... I think that not everybody in Ashna's life, like certainly China doesn't know, but I'm sure that her cousins know, I'm sure her other friends know that like this was the guy. He was the one that got away and who everyone turned away because he was just this guy who wanted to play sports. I'm curious then, because I'm sure like Trisha obviously has to know. We don't get like the reaction from Trisha either of like seeing him or like checking in on Ashna. She kind of just went into doctor mode of like injury, gotta fix this or gotta help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it was a pretty chaotic moment. And so I feel like she's sort of coming down from that. And I'm sure them sort of coming to terms with now she knows who her partner is, and they have to agree to just grin and bear it, you know, because I also want to know just like, like we talked about for the end of chapter five, it's like, I don't think he came into this with a plan but I'd really like to know how this unfolds and like if, if they're going to have an idea of what they want from each other. They're sorting through it and we'll see as these two people figure out how to be around each other without any injuries. Yep. <laughs> Hopefully no one else gets hurt in the uh, shipping of this OTP. Stay tuned as we continue to dive into Recipe for Persuasion. Persuasion. 